Friday, October 25th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 8 DraftKings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the Lineup Builder tool on DraftSharks.com. And you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. On DraftSharks.com, you can find all of Jared's top picks for playing on Draft Kings this weekend. He's got you covered with picks for cash games, GPP lineups. I'll add some showdown notes for the Sunday and Monday night games. And come Saturday morning, you can find our lineups for round eight of the Crown His Ass Challenge. And it was Jared once again in week seven, this time by four-tenths of a freaking point. If Tevin Coleman could have managed four total yards between his two receptions instead of minus one, I would have a little bit more money this week. I mean, you could point to any any one play for any of your guys and to say, you know, that was maybe the difference. So I I, I apologize for this win. Um, should. I did want to talk about my lineup, though, because it was obviously not good. You know, I scored 105.46. It, it was my first losing week on DraftKings this year. So it's, it's been a good season, but I do think this, I think I made some mistakes. I mean, I think I got unlucky between Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Josh Jacobs. You know, they both got tons of volume, tons of yards. None of them scored a touchdown. So I think there's some just unluckiness there. Um, I do think though that playing the Lions D and not finding the money to get up to the Bears or even the Saints, you know, who were $100 less than the Bears, that was probably a, a mistake. And then Matt Ryan, again, some unluckiness there that he, you know, got knocked out of that game. And you, you never expect to get, you know, 4.6 points out of your quarterback. But I do think looking back at it and just thinking about, you know, that Rams pass rush versus the Falcons O-line. And then just the fact that you had Jared Goff in the same game at a cheaper price. I think Goff was actually the more optimal cash game play last week, even though he was, you know, coming off that dud. Yeah, I did think as I was actually making my lineups after we recorded last week that Matt Ryan probably presented more risk than we had ascribed him in those shows because of Mm -hmm. the path rush, as you said. I had Kyler Murray, so I didn't do much better. I do feel like it was a little bit more bad luck with him. I think maybe, though, I should have given a little bit more credence to the weather for both that game and in Washington, San Francisco, because both of those, there was rain in the forecast. I think rain played a factor in both. I do think for Kyler Murray's sake, it was just bad luck that Chase Edmonds scored all three of the touchdowns that Arizona managed in that. Yeah, weather was definitely an issue in the Niners-Redskins game. I think Murray's issue was more just game flow that, you know, they got out to that lead with Chase Edmonds and then Daniel Jones didn't didn't make Kyler have to do anything after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 21 pass attempts for Kyler Murray and that, but yeah. not, not even much on the ground. So we'll both be back at it for week eight so that I can keep donating money to the Smola Travel Fund. And I will post my example of who not to play on DraftKings this weekend come Saturday morning, along with Jared's lineup in the free post for this podcast. So check that out. For now, Jared, please kick us off with a cash QB that you should have played last week. Going back to my roots here with a, a cheap quarterback in cash, Ryan Tannehill, 5,100 bucks. And it, it feels a bit like point chasey after his game last week, but you know, he, he did play well last week, even beyond the box score. Um, Pro Football Focus graded him fourth best among quarterbacks on the week. And he's just in a great spot here at home against the Bucks, who are just a massive pass funnel defense. They're first in fo- football outsiders run defense rankings. 
25th against the pass. We know Tennessee wants to run the ball, but in this matchup, I think we might see them, you know, shift at least a bit more towards the pass. They should just, just based on the Bucks defense. Tampa Bay is 29th in DraftKings points allowed to quarterbacks. I think Derek Carr for $100 less is also an option. I just lean towards Tannehill because one, he's at home. Titans have a higher implied total than the Raiders, 24 to 22 points for those implied totals. And then I think Tannehill also still gives you some sneaky rushing ability. He's averaging a little over 13 rushing yards for his career. I think it's worth noting for Tannehill, too, that even though he played well enough in Miami to get booted and go sign with Tennessee, we are at least talking about a guy who has had some fantasy success in the past, has been a starting quarterback for multiple seasons. We're not talking about like Blaine Gabbert or some dude who just made his first start. There is some background to Ryan Tannehill. And and I agree on, on Tannehill over Derek Carr maybe mostly because he has more at his disposal in terms of guys to throw the ball to than Derek Carr does. Yeah, that helps. Getting Tyra Williams back for Carr would be big, and it seems like Williams has a shot to play. But again, I think if you're looking cheap for cash games, Tannehill just feels safer to me. Yeah, I agree. And we'll talk more about Tyrell Williams soon. I like Tannehill. I'm tempted by Derek Carr, but I'm going to lean toward Matthew Stafford as my top cash option at 6100 bucks. A little bit more expensive, but still affordable. Kyler Murray, as I said, disappointed against the Giants last week, but his team scored 27 points. So there were points available. Murray only attempted 21 throws. There was rain for most of that game. No such weather worries when they're playing in the Dome in Detroit. And the Lions are a much better passing than rushing offense. Football Outsiders has them fourth in passing efficiency, 27th in rushing efficiency. So I think it'll be the passing game leading this one. The Giants show is only a slightly friendly scoring matchup on our strength of schedule page for quarterbacks at this point. But only Kyler Murray and the Washington QBs have failed to produce at least two total touchdowns in their matchups with the Giants so far. Washington's the only opponent to this point that has fallen short of 27 points against the Giants. So I think there'll be plenty of points. I think there's enough room for both Stafford and Ty Johnson, even if Ty Johnson does deliver this week. And Stafford's been pretty good this year. He's fourth among main slate quarterbacks in DK points per game this week. Yeah, he's been playing well all year. I think as usual, you can be pretty flexible at quarterback and cash games. I think Tannehill is a cheap option, Stafford as that mid-range guy. And I think there's a case to be made for Deshaun Watson this week. Um, I think there's enough value plays where you know it's it might make sense to just go all the way up to Watson and cash. Yeah, and since you mentioned him, I'm going to go ahead and say that Deshaun Watson is my favorite tournament guy mm-hmm. because of the ultimate ceiling that he offers and because he and DeAndre Hopkins are easily my favorite stack. I'm going to ignore... You know, fairly high ownership projections for these guys. Even at 7100 bucks, Deshaun Watson ranks third in our DK dollars for point rankings in the lineup builder tool. His range of outcomes absolutely includes the enormous games that Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes have already hung on Oakland this season. I mean, Watson has already showed us a ceiling game from him against Atlanta just a few weeks ago at home. So we know he's capable of that kind of production. That's what we need to try to win a large field tournament. Hopkins has seen 24 targets, caught 18 of them over the past two games. Still hasn't really had a big fantasy outing since the opener. I think he's well set up to have one of those this week. It's a a defense that he should be able to get deep against where he couldn't really do that against the Colts. and really hasn't done that all season. I just think it's a blow-up spot for DeAndre Hopkins this week. And even if you want to do more than just stack Hopkins with Watson for tournament purposes, there's room to add Kenny Stills. There's room for one of the tight ends, or you could just differentiate elsewhere. Yeah, so we'll talk more about stills later here, but I think um, you know the value that he gives you makes makes uh, Watson a more attractive tournament play. Mm-hmm. 
I like Josh Allen for tournaments, and I don't like Josh Allen. I still don't think the guy's a good quarterback, but you know he is a pretty productive fantasy quarterback because of that rushing. Um, Sixty five hundred bucks, so a bit pricey, but he's also projected for just six percent ownership. I, I think he he was pretty popular last week, and he was kind of disappointing in that game against the Dolphins. I actually like this spot better. Um, you know, the Eagles, we know they're not a good pass defense. They are pretty good against the run. So, you know, it's sort of like like Tampa. It's another pass funnel defense. Actually, the Eagles have faced the third most pass attempts. So, you know, teams are attacking them through the air. Eagles are 27th in DraftKings points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, and I think John Brown is a pretty easy stack with, with Josh Allen. And, and Brown is another guy who I think is too cheap on, on DraftKings. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's good in general to go after a guy who's in a good spot and just disappointed a bunch of owners the yep. previous week in DFS because it's bound to push down his ownership in most cases. Definitely. Running back, what you like on the cash side? I'll just mention Latavius Murray. If Alvin Kamara is out, I think Murray at 5,800 is a must play in cash. You know, he, he got workhorse usage last week, 27 carries and six targets. Above that, Leonard Fournette. I, I think uh, we've talked about him most weeks here. I think he's still too cheap at 7,800 for the opportunities he's getting. Another 31 carries plus targets last week. He has 26 straight, or sorry, 26 plus opportunities in four straight games now. He has about 18 or more DraftKings points in all four of those games. Fournette's also in for some major positive touchdown regression. He still has just one touchdown despite racking up 172 total touches this season. So I think we're going to get one of these games where he just, you know, it snaps back and he scores like two or three times. And it's possible it's this week. Um, home for the Jets. Pretty nice matchup. The Jets are 27th in DK points allowed to running backs. They're going to be without CJ Mosley again this week. I can't say that I would bet on multiple scores this week. I mean, in general, I, the, I think this offense is not going to provide as, mu- as many touchdown opportunities as, as some others would for such a high volume back. In this specific matchup, I think the Jets' run defense works against that. But that said, on DraftKings, I think the big difference on DraftKings versus FanDuel is FanDuel, I care more about touchdown upside, and DraftKings, I care more about the touch upside versus each other. So I certainly agree with Leonard Fournette on that front here. I'm going to throw out Sony Michelle at 5,200 bucks. Really, I, I had trouble picking among the guys in the 5K range. There are a bunch of running backs that make sense. Sony Michelle doesn't generally pop as a DraftKings option because of the lack of receiving stuff. But if we're looking for overall touch safety, I think he provides that. He's had just one game all season with fewer than 15 carries. And in the four games since then, Michelle has seen 17, 16, 22, and 19 carries. He had one target through the season's first games. He had first four games. He has totaled eight targets over the past three, 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 and two targets in those games. Now they get the Browns, who are the second friendliest scoring matchup for fantasy running backs on the season. The Patriots are two touchdown home favorites, which only helps the touch outlook for Sony Michelle on a team that's likely to score plenty. You know, if he gets into the end zone once, that makes up for anything that he doesn't do as a receiver. So I just think he's a a pretty safe option at a good price here. Yeah, I, I never play Michelle on DraftKings, but he, he does pop pretty high in our um, dollars per point rankings based on our projections. So I, I'm, I don't think I'll end up playing him in cash games, but I definitely think he's in play for tournaments at least. What about tournament side? Who's your fave? My tournament running back is Le'Veon Bell at $6,900. Bucks. Um, and and there's, there's reasons to worry, which I think is why I probably won't play him in cash. Um, you know, he, he has just two catches on five targets in the two games since, since Sam Darnold returned. And of course, Darnold's performance in that Monday night game, you know, adds some risk to Bell. 
I mean, I think it makes sense for the Jets to, you know, design some shorter passes to Bell to get Darnold back on track early in, in Sunday's game against Jacksonville here. I still think there's obviously pass catching upside for Bell, even though we haven't seen it the past two weeks. There's also a lot of upside on the ground for him, I think. Um, the Jags are 27th in football outsiders run defense rankings. Um, they're 21st in our adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They're going to be without defensive tackle Marcel Darius on Sunday, and their linebacking core is all banged up. Quincy Williams, Leon Jacobs, Najee Good, they're all likely to miss this game. So it's a, a good matchup for Bell, and I think he, he's the best bet for this Jets offense to get back on track. Yeah, Najee Good took the job over from Quincy Williams, so not only are they banged up, but the linebacking core stinks. So, yeah, I, I think that Le'Veon Bell attacking them is a, a good way for the Jets to go in this game and certainly adds upside to his DFS profile. I'm going to throw out Philip Lindsay at 5600 bucks. Royce Freeman outproduced him last week, got the rushing touchdown, got five targets for the second straight game. But Lindsay still has led Royce Freeman in carries every single week this season. He sits 19 carries ahead of Freeman for the year, so a better bet for ground touches. Scored rushing touchdowns in each of the previous two games before last week's contest. The pass offense, of course, just lost Emmanuel Sanders via trade. So I think the touch outlook, the workload outlook only grows for both Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And Freeman's price is up. He's up 800 bucks in salary this week. So he's only $100 cheaper than Philip Lindsay now. I think Lindsay remains the higher upside candidate. They'll both play... Indianapolis, which ranks second worst in the league in run defense, according to Football Outsiders, 18th against the pass. So not strong there, but obviously much weaker against the run, you know, against an offense that wants to run the ball as much as possible. Both of these guys, Lindsey and Freeman, are projected for very low ownership. Lindsey about 3%, Royce Freeman about 1%. So I think they're both in play. Mm -hmm. I'll play Lindsey first. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I think you know both those guys have been in, pretty involved in the passing game already, and Sanders' departure should mean more of that. And I do agree that Lindsey has more upside because he, you know, I, I think somewhat surprisingly is the guy that Denver tends to go with around the goal line, and he's always the big play threat. Right. Yep. All right, wide receiver, what you got? I'm going Kenny Stills here, um, 4,700 bucks, and he Stills doesn't feel like a cash game wide receiver because he has more of that downfield big play guy, but. You know, he, he's he's stepping into the Will Fuller role. You know, we played Will Fuller in cash in, in week five at 4500 bucks, and he had that massive game. So I think Stills makes sense here. Um, he, he was, you know, basically in every down player after Fuller left last Sunday's game. He ran her out on 95% of Deshaun Watson's dropbacks. The Watson-Stills connection has been really good this season. Stills has 15 catches on 19 targets for 293 yards. So 79% catch rate, 19.5 yards per catch. Matchup, obviously, about as good as it gets. The Raiders have allowed the second most DraftKings points to wide receivers. Oakland's also struggled against deep passes. They've allowed the most completions of 20-plus yards this season and the third most completions of 40-plus yards. So, you know, that that works in Stills' favor. Yeah, I mean, we really could get a replay of something near what they did against the Falcons a few weeks ago in this matchup. Yep. I You already mentioned John Brown. I certainly love his upside for a tournament with or without Josh Allen. I also like John Brown's relative safety, though. 18th in DraftKings points per game on the main slate among wide receivers, despite scoring only two touchdowns so far through six games. 16 DK points per game so far. No fewer than nine and a half in any game. Five weeks of 11.9 or more in there. Tied for 17th in wide receiver price, so right in line with his production you know, you already mentioned the matchup. Matchup's great against the Eagles. Should see targets. Should produce when he gets those targets. I think John Brown is good across contest types here. So I'll also mention that 
I like both of the Titans' top two receivers here. We mentioned T- Ryan Tannehill. It, the matchup leans in favor of them throwing the ball more than they would probably like to. And I think both Corey Davis at 4,400 and A.J. Brown at 4,100 are in play. They're both going to be relatively popular, especially compared with how they've actually produced mm-hmm. over a full season. So they're not going to be tournament options for me, most likely. But on the cash side, I think they're both decent bets for targets. I think Davis is probably a little bit safer bet because he's the guy that we know will play more. And I also think that Adam Humphreys at 3900 is too close to them in price to really be attractive this time around. Yep, I'm with you on all those things. I, I do think Davis is the Titans wide receiver to play in cash just because, like you said, you know, he'll be out there for close to 100% of the snaps. Brown's still been around 60%. What about Turney's side, what you got? DK Metcalf. He's averaging only 5.7 targets per game. It's not a great number, but he's getting deep looks and he's getting looks in the red zone. He, he has a 14.4 yard average depth of target. That's 12th highest among all wide receivers with 20 plus targets this season. You know, if you, if you watch the Seahawks games, you see, you know, most of Metcalf's targets are deep downfield. He's also tied for first among all wide receivers with nine red zone targets. He hasn't scored on any of those nine targets yet. So he's another guy I think is just due for some positive touchdown regression. This is as good a spot as any for it to come. You know, we know the Falcons defense is bad. 29th in DraftKings points allowed to wide receivers. They're also, sorry, 27th in DK points allowed to wide receivers and in our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Metcalf's also like the Brandon Cooks of this week. We talked about Cooks last week, how he runs his routes on the left side of the formation. That's where the Falcons have given up the most fantasy points in the league. Uh, Metcalf runs 56% of his routes there. So everything to me points to a pretty big week here for DK. Does it sway you at all that Metcalf is projected for like 19% ownership on DraftKings this week? I saw 13. Yeah. Either way, it's going to be high. Yeah, high, higher than I expected. You know, I, I think people are just sharper nowadays than they used to be, but I'm, I'm, I'm still going to be playing Metcalf. That's not nearly high enough to get me off him. All right. I'm scared of him in a tournament, but I can certainly see the upside and would not be shocked if it works out. I'm going to lean toward Tyrell Williams as a favorite, though. Not only does he give me a game stack with my preferred duo of Watson for uh, Watson and Hopkins mm-hmm. in a tournament lineup, Tyrell Williams is currently projected around 3% ownership, so he gives me differentiation against the field. And he's just a good player when he's on the field. The Texans have allowed the third most wide receiver points per game so far. So there's the matchup. They are tied for most touchdowns allowed to the position. They are tied for second most catches allowed to wide receivers. They have allowed three straight opponents to throw at least two touchdown passes, two wideouts. Assuming that Williams's foot is ready for him to play this week and things seem to be trending that way, mm. he's easily the best wide receiver option for the Raiders. And this matchup with Houston is a negative one for tight end, for Darren Waller specifically. Mm -hmm. And I would say the way that Oakland has used Darren Waller to this point means that Houston has to focus on stopping Darren Waller. The corners, meanwhile, are so bad that Gary and Conley might start for Houston this week, less than a week after arriving via trade. I think there's some risk, obviously, with Tyrell Williams with the, the foot, you know, that he just does something to it during the game and and has to leave early. So that makes him tournament only for me. There's also a $5,500 salary that's not cheap enough to make him attractive enough that I think he's going to get popular at any point. So I think that his own rate is going to stay low through the weekend. Right. Yeah. I'm with you there. I would be considering Williams in cash if it wasn't for the risk with the foot issue, but um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely take that risk in tournaments. If Williams was healthy at this point, he'd be like 6,500 at least. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Over to tight end, what you got? 
Um, Hunter Henry at 4,900 bucks. I think he's just still too cheap on DraftKings. So here's where Henry ranks among tight ends in, in some key metrics since returning from that knee injury two weeks ago. He's first in targets, first in air yards, first in catches, first in receiving yards, first in DraftKings points. So he, he's been producing like the elite tight end we think he is. Um, you know, the Bears haven't been a tough matchup for tight ends. Football Outsider says them 24th in tight end coverage rankings. Um, they're 26th in DraftKings points allowed to tight ends. Keenan Allen might not play in this game after, you know, it looks like he hurt his hamstring on either Wednesday or Thursday. So that would only push more targets towards Henry. First in my heart and bolstering all of my best ball lineups too. So I welcome back Hunter Henry. Happy Love to it. see you. I'm going to start out with Gerald Everett in my focus across contests here. 4300 bucks. He, he's not too expensive. Obviously not too cheap either. Just kind of in the middle. Second among Rams in targets over the past three weeks. Drawing 23% of them in that span. He not only led the team in targets at Atlanta, but he was clearly a featured receiver for them. They tried him multiple times deep. Only hit one of those passes, but you know if they had hit another one, it would have been this huge game. He got a quick screen in the red zone for his touchdown in that game, and now they face Cincinnati, which is just bad at everything. So, I mean, if Everett doesn't work out this week, it's not because the matchup's bad, because they're terrible in tight end coverage. It's just that other people scored because the Rams can score however they feel like in this game. I do think that that not only gives a little bit of risk that the scoring just goes to other guys, Mm -hmm. it also adds the upside of the ultimate scoring ceiling where, you know, they could score 50 points and everyone can get a touchdown and Everett can have a big game. So I I like his relative safety at the position. I also like his uh, ultimate ceiling. Yeah. Everett at 600 bucks cheaper than Henry. That's not a big enough discount for me to, to, you know, go away from Henry and cash, but Everett is my favorite um, tournament target. I agree for all the reasons you said. You know, he, he has big upside here. We've we've talked about, I think, on the last two Thursday preview podcasts that you know Cincinnati hasn't given up a lot of fantasy points to tight ends. That's just because teams haven't used their tight ends against Cincinnati yet. You know, they've been attacking them on the ground or with their wide receivers, which could be the case with the Rams on Sunday. But I still think there's lots of upside here. Football Outsiders ranks the Bengals 28th in tight end coverage. Yeah, and pretty much if if the Chargers were facing most other teams instead of Chicago at Chicago, then I'd probably be a little bit closer to Henry. But as it is, the, the $600 is enough and the, the two matchups are enough to sway me toward Everett on cash. Fair enough. If I'm going cheaper, it's probably going to be Johnny Smith first at 2800 against the Bucks. Uh, I would also, though, I, I might lean toward Jordan Akins if it's a Deshaun Watson lineup, however, because they're at the same price. And obviously, you know, if I get scores from Jordan Akins, at that same price with Watson as my quarterback, then it, it, it adds to my chances. Yeah, it makes sense. We should mention Cameron Brait too. Um, OJ Howard was just ruled out for Sunday's game. Um, so, you know, Brait's down at 2700 bucks. I, I think the argument against him is that, you know, OJ Howard hasn't really produced in the Everton role. So, you know, why is Cameron Brait? But, um, you know, he, he does have that rapport with Jameis Vinson. And, and for 2700 bucks, there's not a ton of risk to him, even if he only, you know, catches one or two balls. Well, and the other thing working in Brace's favor here is that he sucks as a blocker. I mean, that's why O.J. Howard has been playing so much more than Brate ever since he arrived. So maybe the Bucks aren't as motivated to have Cameron Brate block as they would be to have O.J. Howard block. Maybe it means a few more routes. Maybe it means a little bit more target upside to him. Yep, definitely possible. Benjamin Watson's one other guy I want to throw out. 3000 bucks in play in the cheap range. 75% playing time last week. Five targets in a blowout win against the Jets. Yep, like it. 
Over to Flex, what you like here? It's usual running backs in cash games. Um, you know, I think Tevin Coleman and Matt Breda both make sense way down where they are. Um, you know, we didn't even mention Chase Edmonds at 6,200 bucks. I think he still makes a lot of sense. The matchup's not good, but assuming David Johnson's out, you know, Edmonds is going to get another 20 touches. Yeah, I think for me, I'm leaning away from Chase Edmonds because of the, the matchup's tough and the field's going to be owning lots of Chase Edmonds this week. And there are just lots of guys in the the 5K range at running back. You know, the guys you mentioned, I have Tevin Coleman down as well. The guys that we mentioned earlier, I think James White at 5,100's in play. I think Marlon Mack at 6,100's in play. He's among the safest carry bets, and he's seen, he's had three catches in two consecutive games now. And maybe in a GPP lineup, I could see tossing David Montgomery in at 4,400 bucks. Chargers are the fourth most friendly running back scoring matchup heading into this one. So if Chicago decides to give Montgomery the chance, maybe he can actually deliver. Yep, that is cheap. It's tempting. I think Mike Williams, too, is interesting. Way way down at $4,000. You know, he's been getting good usage. And again, if uh, Keenan Allen is out on Sunday, Williams becomes the Chargers' number one wideout. Mm-hmm. Defense, what you like? And defense feels tough to me this week. I have the Chargers down for my my cash game play just because they're so cheap at 2300 bucks, And their defense has been a major disappointment this season. But it's more about the matchup against the Bears, who are just you know not a good, a good offense. Football Outsiders has the Bears 25th in offensive DVOA. They're 29th in yards per game. They're 30th in yards per play, 26th in points per game. So I, I just I can't see the Chargers busting here, even if they don't give you a big game, just you know because they're so cheap. Yeah, I'm fine with them because of the matchup. I prefer the Seahawks a little bit at $2,800 as my starting point. For a defense, I think ownership, it looks like it's going to be spread around on DraftKings at this position this week. Atlanta mm-hmm. presents the third most favorable scoring matchup on the slate. And the two teams ahead of them are the Jets and the Titans. The Jets are obviously still altered by those Luke Falk games. You know, even though we had the Sam Darnold basement game last week against the Patriots, I don't think that's representative of what they are as a matchup going forward. And the Titans just changed quarterbacks last week, so we don't really know what the Titans look like as a scoring matchup right now. So Atlanta's been a terrific scoring matchup with Matt Ryan. I think it only gets better in terms of upside at the very least with Matt Schaub in the lineup. Seattle looks like a great bet for sacks and turnovers against that team this week. Yeah, I like that range of like Atlanta, um, the Lions are 2,800, the Colts are 2,900, the Jags are 2,900. I'm I'm having trouble like parsing between those four. That's why I might just kind of go down even cheaper and play the Chargers. But I do think all four of those Ds are, are better plays than LA if you can you know afford that extra 500 or 600 bucks. I'll mention at the other end that the Patriots at 4,300 bucks look <laughs> like they're not going to be nearly as highly owned as usual. I mean, they have generally been the highest or the second highest owned defense. And it looks like they're going to be headed for less than double digit uh, ownership, according to Fanshare so far. Yeah, I'm surprising. But I mean, also, I guess not surprising because people just don't like going all the way up for defenses. So I, I still think the Patriots are probably, you know, cheaper than they should be based on what they what they've done so far. Yeah, exactly. So I'll be looking to see if I can get up to them uh, after getting the rest of the lineup set. Yep. That's going to do it for this week eight edition of the DraftKings podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to read all of Jared's top picks for playing on DK this weekend. Check out our full week eight rankings and mess around with the lineup builder tool where you can find DK dollars per point projections, ceiling projections, and customizable strategy options. Check back Saturday morning to see who I'm playing against Jared in the Smola Benefit concert. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. 
for Jared Smoll and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.